Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. The word I'm going to share with you this morning, I believe, is so foundational. It's... You remove this from who we are, we cease to be who we are. And if we could get this one thing right, I believe we could really transform the world we live in. But unfortunately, many, many of us are in such survival mode that we're not even concerned about changing the world. We're just trying to get through our own world and our own mess that we're in. So it's hard to transform a place when you're just trying to make it yourself. And I understand that. I've been in those seasons of life. And I want to encourage you, if you are in a season of survival, you hang in there. Because it's not always going to be that way. In fact, you were not created to survive. You were created to thrive. That's your design. You were designed for dominion, to dominate. You were designed to transform environments, not reflect them. That's how God designed us for. But this morning, something's taking place that I really feel that we as a church and we as people need to recalibrate. Have you ever stepped on a scale and you knew it was wrong? We have a scale in our... Yeah, me and my wife, we've been working, especially this year. I don't know what, what happened this year, even before the year is over. We usually take the holidays off and we, we just throw down. But this, we were focused this year. We were work, She's working out like crazy. When she works out, I feel guilty for laying in the house. I got to get up and go in there. And so she motivates me to. And so we've been, we've been doing this like crazy. And uh, she gets on the scale. She goes, there's something wrong with the scale. Then we go to the doctor and find out the scales are fine. It's us that's messed up. <laughs> Every so often, those things, you got to recalibrate because if you don't calibrate them, old school, not the digital ones, but how many remember the old school ones that had that little, little dial on it? And so I would always cheat. I put it to where not even standing on it, it had like a five pound grace period. Sometimes we have to recalibrate, and that's what this morning's all about. For those of you that have been at CWC for a minute, what, what's our motto? Why do we exist? Say it again. Love God, love people, change the world. Love is the most powerful force on earth. It's the very thing that can transform a life. It's the very thing that gives you a reason to live. It's the very thing that 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 brings uh, that that can level playing fields. Love is powerful, and when we love God, God is love, and God is the the essence of love. God doesn't have love. God is love, and so I need you to understand that nature of God first. Okay, before we do do a thing this morning, let's lay some groundwork. God is love. Everyone, say that with me. God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. Which means this. God doesn't love you when you're good and tolerate you when you're bad. It's against his nature. He's love. And so there's a certain freedom. Come on. 
some, there's a certain freedom in knowing that he loves me. That I'm not walk, walking this tightrope that if I blow it, all of a sudden my, my life is over. God's going to burn me up. He's going to zap me or something. God loves you. He loves the broken you. He loves the messed up you. He loves the lost you. He loves that addicted you. He loves even the ugly you sometimes. He loves the messed up, broke, uh, bitter you. God loves you, but he loves you so much that he refuses to leave you in the condition that he finds you in. He loves you. So you're loved. I need, need you to grab a hold of that as we start. Because love God is where it starts, but loving people is where it gets hard. I was sharing on Wednesday night the things that, that, that fill me and the things that drain me. Uh, because if you are constantly being drained in life and you never refill yourself, you're going to find yourself living life on empty. It's like living where, where your, your gas tank is on empty. You never know if you're going to make your destination and you're, you're panicking wherever you go. I, I need you to understand that one of the things for me, what fills me is people. What drains me is people. Come on. Because not every person is easy to deal with. And so... I want you to recognize that today, how many would agree with this statement? We live in a world of crisis. We live in a world in crisis. Housing crisis, job crisis, uh, family crisis. We're we're in homelessness and and, uh, addictions, bankruptcy. I, I, I read a statistic recently that there's two major problems in America today. Obesity and debt are the two major problems in America today, and neither one have them to have anything to do with lack. We, we have a crisis in America that's going on where we have, we have babies having babies, and those babies are having babies. We have molestations happening, sex trafficking. We have things going on that should not be taking place. Every one of us knows someone that has been affected or touched by this dreaded disease called cancer. We see things that are going on, people dying way too soon. There are crises. We got terror going on where we're afraid of terrorism. We got ISIS in the world. and You can't even go to a movie theater and watch without wondering, is someone going to come running in? We are living in an age of terror. There is something wrong in the world today. There is a crisis that's going on. There are bondages going on. We got children that are supposed to be protected by adults getting molested by the very people that are supposed to take care of them. There's something wrong with this world. And if you don't see it, then you know you got to take your head out of the sand and get out of your own issues and recognize there's a problem. And I want to tell you that in 2016, it's not enough to identify the problem. We have to become the solution. Say it again, Pastor. Anyone can identify the problem, but the key is, can we be the solution? And I believe one of the things that has kept us from being the solution is that because we don't even know what the question is. We've lost the question. We've lost our purpose in life. We've gotten off track. Come on, somebody. Church isn't somewhere we go. Church has just become another hobby. 
If the family doesn't have something going on, then this Sunday we'll go to church. Church is no longer. God isn't someone that we serve. God is something we do. We've lost it. But I'm here to submit to you this morning. If you would stand to your feet, turn with me to John 13. Don't turn me off. Amen. John 13. I want to share something, a very powerful passage that is so important, so foundational for who we are. That Jesus is sitting there on the night that he's going to be betrayed. On the night that he's going to be denied, he's sitting there with the 12 disciples that he's poured his life into. He's given his heart, his soul to them. He spent three years training these dummies up. And they still don't get it. And he's looking across the table and the guy that's about to deny him is sitting there saying, I will die with you. He looks over to the other side and the guy that is in the process of betraying him, Jesus is breaking bread and sharing a meal with him. Then Jesus says this, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you, past tense. If I was Jesus, I would have rewrote this and just said, as I am loving you. Because I think he's showing love by still allowing Peter to be at a table and Judas to be part of this. If you knew someone was about to betray you, you can't have my bread. I'm not about to share my stew with you. Get out of that chair. That's my chair. I I don't want you in this room. But that's not Jesus. He's loving them. And just as you... As I have loved you, you shall love each other. Come on, somebody. Love one another. See, many of us in here, we have no problem loving God. It's the person next to you we have trouble with. God's easy to love because you can't see him. But can you love the person standing in front of you? Or the one that has their hand on the knife in your back right now. Verse 35. Your love for one another will prove. Someone say prove. To the world that you are my disciples. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. My question to you this morning is is this. If you had a remedy to the problems the world was facing, would you share it? Okay, let me me break it down maybe this way. Maybe this. Um, If you had the cure to cancer, would you share it? Some of y'all, well, Pastor, I might share it for a little something. (laughs) To break me off a piece or something. Sell it to a company and... You know, I got to get mines, but let me, let me, let me, let's break it down because that, that one, it may involve money. Let's break this down. People change when it comes to money. If someone was on fire next to you and you had a bucket of water, would you put them out? (laughs) Some of you are still sitting there. Well, qualify that pastor. (laughs) Who are they? (laughs) What have they done to me? Do I like them or not? Is that the only bucket of water left on the earth? Is it hot outside? 
normally we would share the remedy if there was a remedy to be shared. And the problem is this, is that the Word of God talks in the Old Testament that many nations turned away from God in the Old Testament because of the actions of the Jews, the Israelites. Because they were the nation of God, and because they turned away from God, they ended up into bondage, that the other nations saw their condition and didn't want to serve God because of them. I would submit to you that the world today in the same way is turned away from our God, not because God isn't God, but because of who we are. Many people have turned away from God, not because God isn't who he says he is. It's just that the church isn't who we say we are. See... I would even submit and go as far as to tell you this. It's not that the world doesn't believe in Jesus. It's his followers that are jacking everything up. You're a follower of Christ, and your marriage is in that condition. You're a follower of Christ, and you're gossiping about everyone. You're a follower of Christ, and you're just as broke, and you're always borrowing money from me, and you don't pay me back. Oh, come on, church. I really believe that it's the disciples, the followers of Christ that are turning the world off on who Christ is. But Jesus didn't say your bank account will prove that you are a disciple. Your anointing will prove that you are a disciple. Your ability to lay hands on the sick will prove you're a disciple. Your signs and wonders, your prophetic words, how many times you come to church, how how much you give in the offering, those are not marks. Now, those are evidences that you've been with God, but there's only one proof that Jesus said, this will prove that you are my disciple, that you love. Love is the foundation of who we are supposed to be. And yet, if you take a look at the history of the United States, the Christian nation, if true love was shown by the followers of Christ, we would have never had the slavery movement that we did. There would have been no need for a civil rights movement if love was expressed in this Christian nation. That's gotten quiet in here. Because how would the world look different if love became what we were known for? Not scandals. Not misappropriation of funds. But love. What if you were known for love? Now, now, Jesus says they will know you are my disciples. You can call yourself a Christian and not love. But you cannot call yourself a disciple or a follower of Christ and not love. Do you realize there's over 43,000 different denominations of Christianity in our world today? Not 4,300, 43,000. I'm not talking churches, denominations. That means every denomination that was, I don't agree with what this person does, so I create my own. And I don't like what they're doing, so I create my own. There's so many factions out there to even say Christian people don't even know what that means anymore. Because you got sipping saints and unsipping saints. 
You got partying saints and unpartying saints. You got those that go to church and those that don't go. You got those that don't have a home and those that are always in church. You got individuals, you just don't know. What do you believe? Jesus says this, the proof in the pudding that you are my follower will be your love for one another. Love. See, when we fail to represent God, we fail to represent who he is. The earth, all of creation suffers. When we fail to represent who God is, the whole earth suffers. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. See, the earth is groaning. The earth is earthquakes and all these things we have going on. I believe it's just the earth groaning for someone to stand up and show that they are a child of God. The earth is crying out in homelessness. It's crying out in addiction. It's crying out in brokenness. There's a cry out going right now. And the world is looking. Creation is looking. Will someone please stand up and show me how God looks like? Anyone. Unfortunately, we don't really understand love because what we consider love is, well, girl, if you love me, you will. Oh, I love that car. Nice car, man. I love it. We, we don't understand what love is. And love in the Greek, there's different words in the Greek. You got phileo love that talks about brotherly love. It's a love from what, a friend to a friend. You have stroji love, which stroji is a family love. It talks about a, a mother and daughter, a da- father and son. It's talking about a family, a communal love. You got also the, the, the eros love. That's more the, the sexual love. It's a, the, the, you know, you, you, you excite me and the, the passion of lovemaking and everything. But only agape is the one that God refers to when he talks about love. Agape is an unconditional love. And I want you to understand that lo- what, what love is not. Love is not a feeling. Too many people get married because they have these little feelings in their stomach, not realizing it's just gas. <laughs> you know, you're not in love with the person. You're in love with the idea of love. You like receiving flowers. You like someone missing you that you haven't been around. You like someone calling. You're not in love with the person. You're in love with the idea of being loved. And as soon as the, 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 the gassy feeling disappears, all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not really sure I was, I, 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 I'm not, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Because love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Even though feelings and emotions are part of it, love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not an event. It's not something you do. And so I want you to understand that the agape love of God is an un- unconditional love. Everyone say Unconditional. And we don't know what unconditional is. Come on. Because all of our love has a condition connected to it. Don't believe me? Uh Uh-huh. Wife, let your husband go out on you. I love him unconditionally. You did what? Because our love has conditions. Come on, let's be real. But parents, with your kids, when they do what you want them to do, you love them. And then when they choose not to do, there's that same passion of love for them almost becomes hate. I can't believe he did that. What are you doing? And there's this battle, this constant battle. I've heard parents say, I love you, but I don't like you. 
Unconditional love, agape love is God's, God's love expressed in good deeds, charity, willful delight in the object of love. It's love that involves, check this out, faithfulness, commitment, and an act of the will. And so when we talk about love, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When we talk about love, this is what love is. That's why we read this at marriages so that we can get the husband and wife that are about to get married to understand what they're about to do. Is this love or do you feel lust? Because love suffers long. Yeah, have one bad week out of two years, you're out. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. Sometimes I listen to individuals talk to each other that love each other, and you're like, really? How does that same mouth that speaks those vulgar things to her or to him also have the ability to say, I love you? How does bitter water come from a sweet well? How, how do you do that? You see, and that's why many marriages fall apart is because you got people that are speaking poison out of the same well that they're trying to love out of. And that's why they don't come back to drink because they don't know what they're going to get. Do I get poison today that's going to kill me or am I going to find something that's going to refresh me? Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't think evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Now look, verse 7. It bears all things. Baby, I'm with you. No matter what we go through, we're going to make it through this. It bears all things. It believes all things. No matter what's happened, I believe in you. We're going to make it through this thing. I believe we can, we, we can move forward. I believe and love it, uh, hopes all things. I really hope we can do this. I hope. I believe. I have a hope for tomorrow, not just today. I have a hope, I believe, it endures no matter what you put me through, no matter what we struggle through. I made a commitment, and I'm in this thing for the long haul, and I'm not giving up. Why? Because love never fails. Never. Love is a choice. Told you what love wasn't, but let me tell you what love is. Love is a choice. You choose to love. The moment someone says, I don't love you anymore, it's because they made a choice to stop loving. Now, you may have done some things to make them choose to stop loving. All right? So a pastor said it's a choice. You made the choice. And that choice sometimes is based on our action. But love is a choice. Secondly, love is a commitment. You make a commitment to love. Love is continual. I don't love you today and not, on, not tomorrow. Love is something that's continual. It's a commitment. It's con- it continues. It's something that goes on. So, so I want to ask you, how would your world look different if you loved? Just for a moment, how would your marriage look different if you loved? How would your neighborhood look different if you loved? How would your job look different? If you love those, those, those customers that drive you crazy. You know, I always wonder why people that hate people are in uh, retail. <laughs> Have you ever dealt with someone that's in retail that hates being in retail? Or a waitress that hates her job? 
I, that's usually the first thing I ask. Do, do you like what you do? After they'll slam something down a couple times, just do, do you like what you do? I'm just having a bad day. Well, I'm just, just, I'm just asking because of you. You were created to, you know, not just to, to get through life. You were created to thrive, and you look like you, you, you're hating life right now. And so, uh, you know, is there something I could pray? I'm, I'm the minister. I'm, I'm, I'll pray with you. It's a need that you have right now because I want to tip you good. I'm a big tipper, and I want to tip good, but you're making it really hard for me to tip right now. It's amazing how attitudes change because even attitudes are choices. Matthew 22, verse 37. We're, we're going somewhere. Stay with me. You must love the Lord with all, all your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus is the one speaking here, and he tells us, this is what you need to do. Love your God. And so I, I wondered this. How can you command someone to love? How can you command? How can Jesus stand here and tell us, Love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love me. And I was, when I, growing up, I always wondered, because I, I was misinformed as to love. I always thought love was something that you, you just stepped in. It was something that I fell in love. It, it's not, it wasn't a choice. But according to the way Jesus is putting it here, love is a choice. You make a choice to love. And most love, love is not, when you say, when we met each, we saw each other, there's some of you that'll fight me to the death on this, but I saw my wife first time I saw her, I loved her, we felt love at first sight. It wasn't love at first sight. You might have known she was the one, but it's not love at first sight, because love is based on knowledge. Love is based on knowing. Well, I just knew. What you knew is that it was lust at first sight. You saw her and said, girl, I'm going to make you mine. But whatever it was, there was something about it that, that you, how can you command someone to love? You see, you can't do this on your own. You cannot become a lover of people, a lover of God on your own. How do we become a lover of God? What did I tell you before? God is, God is and so if God is love, when I experience God, I experience the atmosphere where God is at, which is his nature. I experience what true love is all about. What do I know about love? That in the midst of my fallen condition, God loved me. In the midst of my mess up, God loved me. God accepted me when I didn't even know him. God cared for me when I didn't even acknowledge him. That God loved me, accepted me. What am I telling you? I want, what am I telling you? I want you to understand that you cannot love others until you first experience the nature of the love of God. That's why I warn any young lady that wants to marry a guy that doesn't know God. If he doesn't know God, he's never experienced what true unconditional love is all about. His love is going to be conditional to you. He's not going to know how to love you unconditionally. And if he doesn't know God, he's not going to have experienced the nature of God, forgiveness, and be able to reciprocate that love to others. And so you're going to live your life in a perpetual state of trying to prove and earn love. But when they know God and they've received love, they know how God's forgiven them of their mess-ups. 
how God has cleansed them in the midst of their, their screw-ups. And so there's going to be more forgiveness in operation. Uh, come on, somebody, grab, grab this. Let, let me put it to you this way. First John chapter 4, verse, verse 8. Vivi, if you'll help me out this morning, we're going we're to close this up. You still with me? First John 4, 8. And I love John, the beloved disciple. Opens up first John and says, Beloved. Writing to the church, and he calls us beloved, which means those that have that are loved or those that have experienced love. He's writing to the church, you are loved. You've experienced love today. And John says this in chapter one, chapter four, verse eight of first John. But if anyone does not love, does not know God. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Pastor Dan. Wait, wait a minute. You went too far there. Um, baby, I didn't write this. The, the one that wrote this is an individual that opens up his, his writing with this very statement. I didn't write from what I heard or what other people said they saw. What I write about, I saw with my eyes, I heard with my ears, and I handled with my hands. This wasn't a hand-me-down. I saw these things. And John, the one that heard the heartbeat of God, says, But if anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You know what's such a trip is that word know. I don't want to focus in on love. We know what love is, but know. That word know in the Greek, Greek has different tenses. And I'm not acting like a Greek scholar because I'm not. But one thing I do understand in the Greek language is that the Greek language has what they call the perfect tense and the imperfect tense. Perfect tense means uh, he painted the garage. That's the perfect tense. It's a done deal. It's over. Or he's painting the garage. Which means it's not done. It's still, he's still continuing it. And when it talks about doesn't know God, he's saying here that it's not a one and done deal. It's something that you have to continually do. You don't love someone one day and then say, I know God. But you have to know God on a continual basis and order. You have to stay in the environment of love. You got to stay in the environment of God. You got to be familiar with the presence of God. Because when I'm in the presence of God, I'm in the presence or atmosphere of love. And when I'm in the atmosphere of love, it's It's easy to give what you've experienced. Many of us can't give love in the church because although we call ourselves Christians, you have never fully experienced or had an encounter with the love of God that has transformed you. It was enough to get you to church. It was enough to get you to join a religion. But you've never really stepped all in and experienced the love of God where God's love enveloped you and transformed who you were. We become the Pharisee that watches the prostitute with their tears crying on Jesus' feet and with their hair drying his feet off and saying, if Jesus only knew who was touching him. See, when you've been forgiven little, us religious people, come on. We have no testimony, you know, we haven't, didn't kill anyone, you didn't, weren't strung out, you weren't in prison, you know, 
and, and not, not don't have no testimony. We just, you just don't have a testimony you think counts. Can't write a book because of it. Don't get invited to speak at churches because of it. Somehow you think that you've been forgiven little, so as a result, you end up loving little. It's that person that's come and given so much. And I, I remember a couple years ago during the middle of worship, we had guys running up and down the aisleways, knocking people over. I'm just, just exuberant, going all in circles. And it was back at the, at the school. And th- this has kind of taken away that ability for some of these guys to run. They would run into walls and they, there's not really put that open space. But I remember them saying that, you know, they're, they're distracting me from their running and their, their, their worship. I said, sister, if you knew where they came from and you had come from where they came from, you'd be running right along with them. It may make you feel uncomfortable, but I'm not going to stop them from running because that's their act of worship to God. Sometimes we'd rather be comfortable. So what am I telling you this morning as we close? Love is the proof. You can call yourself a Christian without loving, but you cannot call yourself a disciple of Christ without loving. Love proves who we are. Love proves who we are. When we love, we express and we prove his character. I love what Romans 5, 8 says, that Christ demonstrated his love to us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Love is demonstrated. It's not love until it's demonstrated. Love has to be shown. Love has to be put on display. Jesus, God demonstrated his love when we didn't even know him. Now, now let, let me let you in on a little something. Husbands, you might start loving your wife this week. You're saying, well, Pastor Dan, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going I'm to love. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be unconditional. I'm going to love my wife like God. You know, but Pastor, she's mean. She's mean. And so but I'm going to love her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do. I'm just going to just don't don't raise your hands, husbands. OK, I just I'm just going to love her. I'm going to love her through this. And no matter what, I'm just going to love her. And you start loving her all of a sudden it's Monday morning. She she wakes up and she she got the diva all over her. And I, it's another way of saying demons. She got the de- diva all over her and just ready to bust out. And you're like, you bring her coffee. You made her something to eat. You even filled up the gas tank. You, you even sprayed scent in the car after you used it. And you, got the, you got the car all ready to go and everything. She's still mad. She's still on the verge. And, and, and the next day you show her more love. And then the next day you show her more love. And the whole week goes by and you come back next Sunday and said, it didn't work. I loved her. And she's still the same. She's still the same evil mean woman that I married all those years ago I need you to understand you do not love people to change them you missed it it's not it's not a means to an end you don't love to transform someone you love to transform yourself I don't love you because you're perfect. I love you because he loved me. And because he loved me, I love you. I don't do it because you have it all together. I don't have it together. I mean, I look good, but I don't have it together. 
got things going on. I got struggles. I got, I got hang-ups. Yet God still accepts me. And if God can accept me, we have a responsibility to start being known, not by what church you go to, but by the love we share. Be the one. Be love. And true love is expressed, especially to those. Ready? Especially to those that don't deserve it. Sister Sandra, are you pointing out your son? (laughs) Pastor Matt, did you do something, bro? We're going to pray for this family after service. (laughs) They need the love of God to show up. We all do. And I apologize on behalf of the church. I apologize for the Christians across the world. That instead of showing love, we only brought judgment. Instead of sharing love, we look down at the end of our noses of people that didn't measure up. We forgot where we came from. We forgot what we came out of. And it's time that we start releasing love and giving love the love ladder to help people climb out of their stuff to get to Jesus. You might be that ladder that helps people get to where God wants them to get to. Could we love? This week, let's be marked by our love. Our love for God and our love for people. How would this world change if love became what we were known for? Not for our beautiful cathedrals. Not for the kind of car pastors drive. By the way, mine's an 05, so don't judge me. (laughs) I want something new. But what if we became known for our love? I'll give. became known for our love to the point where people were like you know what I don't know if I want to become a Christian but something about you I would love you to work for me or I'd love to work for you or you know what I don't know if I'd ever want to become a Christian but you know what the love you guys display I would love for my daughter to marry one of them that, that's what we're talking about love Bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.